Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. Brought to you by John Crumpton. For more podcasts, news and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. weeks ago, we were looking in Isaiah chapter 54, and it was one of the verses that, uh, that the Lord had uh, been dealing with us in the early 2000s here at Breakthrough, and so we were just going back and we were revisiting some of the markers in our family life together, and, uh, and then we went on a little bit more, and um, I didn't get to finish um, but that's no problem because the, the verse that I really wanted to get to actually is part of this whole Advent season. And uh, so, you know, it, it's come together quite nicely for Christmas. All right. Guys, can you lighten up a little bit? Okay. I know that you got, you know, you're all looking like doctors this morning wearing these masks here. But just smile with your eyes, then at least I know that we're, we're together. Okay. Fantastic. So Isaiah chapter 54, sing, O barren woman, you who never bore a child, burst into song, shout for joy, you who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. So enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your tent curtains wide, do not hold back, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and will settle in their desolate cities. And so that was the the passage of Scripture when we were a small congregation, about 60 people, and we would get together most Friday nights and we would pray for a few hours together. And the Lord spoke to us about enlarging and spreading and stretching out. And one of the interesting things about this prophetic word and most prophetic words is that you have to act on it even before you begin to see the answer. Because you're living by faith and not by sight. And so the barren woman was commanded to sing even before she had children. To rejoice as though she had already received the promise. And so part of our lives together, as we are a prophetic company of people, whatever the Lord has spoken to you, Begin to rejoice in that, begin to act on it, because the Lord will fulfill his words. That Luke chapter 2, I was referring to a little bit, Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 2. But the whole thing is, is Mary, as the angel has appeared to her, she knows that every word from the Lord is not idle, it will be accomplished. This phenomenal faith. And so when we receive a prophetic word, those that we haven't yet seen the fulfillment of those, we continue to exercise faith. It's not just about sight, it's about faith. So the prophetic words, most of us have felt like the words from the beginning of 2020 haven't materialized. It's like somebody sprinkled fairy dust on the planet and we went to sleep for two years. Hallelujah, we're waking up. Can you feel that there's a shift and a change? 
You feel that? Yeah, this track and trace thing? Yeah? Some of the, some of the things are actually kind of like, whew, lifting off us, and people are coming out of their slumber. Same with the prophetic words. Those words that the Lord spoke to us for 2020, they're still hanging out there. We've not seen them. They haven't materialized, but the Lord spoke. He's, he doesn't speak idle words. And so we stir up faith as we're looking to close out this year and launch into 2022. The prophetic words that the Lord spoke, even for 2020, we grab a hold of those and we're going to run towards them. I'm so glad I'm in the right place this morning. Amens and cheers and smiles and yay. Come on. All right? And so the sing of barren woman. You haven't yet seen it, but begin to rejoice. And don't rejoice quietly. Just go over the top big. Yeah, you guys are amazing. So, so there's, a, there's a shouting with joy and for joy. A rejoicing. See, church was never meant to be a quiet place. Filled with shouts of joy, praise, exaltation. This thing of enlarging, stretching. Remember we spoke about it needs to happen in our minds first. So that we're ready, we're prepared to step into the expanse that he has for us. But we first step into it in our minds. And so there's a stretching that's taking place. The Lord is enlarging our vision for what he has for us. Come on. Jesus is not done with the church yet. Jesus is not done with South Africa yet. We have a sense of expectation that all the prophetic words that the Lord has spoken over years, over decades, will still be accomplished. All right. Hopefully I get to a message next week or so. You know, going to be a little bit late on the New Year's resolution thing. But on the rise and fall of nations, what's going on in the world? What's been happening for the last two years? We're going to tie in some of the things we've been speaking about over the, the many months of hard lockdown to get an understanding what is God getting us ready for? Yeah? Because he's got good things in store for us. And sometimes you've got to clear away the rubble before you can build the new. I'll see you next week. <laughs> All right. So verse 4. Come on, we've seen this one before. Do not be afraid. Yay. I think that's the whole, that's the thing that's happening right now. This reawakening is the sense of we don't need to be afraid anymore. Come on, we are throwing off the yoke of fear as a nation. Yeah? Come on, I just love the pictures of the thousands of people on the beaches of Natal. Come on, th those people are prophesying. We're not afraid anymore. Yeah? Come 
going to figure out how, well, how much I have to behave this morning. Not too much. Do not be afraid. You will not be put to shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. The context in, in Jewish life at the time of Isaiah's writing is like a woman had no rights, no legal rights, no financial rights, couldn't do anything. The most vulnerable person in society. And the Lord is saying, I'm going to remove any of the shame any of the disgrace, any of the humiliation, I will take care of you. And the things that were causing you to be in a place of shame and disgrace, I'm going to totally remove those things and I'm going to restore you to a place of dignity. Come on, he's doing that to all of us. I was just reflecting, wow, in some senses this applied to Mary. Mary was pregnant with Jesus, hadn't yet been married to Joseph. There was shame and humiliation. The Lord removed all of that shame and disgrace. And now, the favored one. Don't worry, I'm not going Catholic on you. It's okay. Some of you can look. No, the scriptures. A pendulum always can swing from one extreme to another. And because we don't want to elevate Mary as though she's part of the Godhead, we kind of, as, as Protestants, we tend to kind of not have any honor for her. But the scriptures give her great honor. All right, so let's just bring the pendulum back a little. But wow, the shame and the disgrace has been removed. Isn't that powerful? You know, I think over this nation as well, the shame and the disgrace is being removed. Listen, this Omicron. For a moment, we were the pariahs of the planet. Right? It was just a month ago. Everybody was kind of like... But I believe what's happening in our nation now with kind of like, hey guys, we need to shift and change things because what we've been doing all this time actually doesn't work. And now, the eyes of the world are on South Africa, not just for a negative thing, but now for a positive thing. The disgrace is being removed. Hmm, okay. Verse five. For your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. Powerful stuff that's going on. Isaiah is prophesying to the people and he's telling them, listen, your God is not like the other gods. You see, the other gods were like small 
carved statues from stone or from wood. Yeah, that's why we don't say touch wood. You know that thing, touch wood? It's about touching a wooden idol. I want the wooden idol to help me. So that's why Christians, we don't say touch wood. We don't have wooden idols. We don't have wooden idols. He's saying, listen, it's not a small idol that's based to some geographic location where this little God has power and influence just in a small region. We are talking about the God of the whole earth. That's how powerful your God is. Right? Verse 6, the Lord will call you back as if you were a wife deserted and distressed in spirit, a wife who married young only to be rejected, says the Lord your God. For a brief moment I abandoned you, but with deep compassion I will bring you back. In a surge of anger I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness I will have compassion on you, says the Lord your Redeemer. Okay, what's going on here? I'm glad you asked. Isaiah is writing to them and he's prophesying about a period of lockdown. A massive lockdown, 70 years worth of lockdown. He's prophesying over a century before they went into the 70 years of captivity in Babylon. And he's talking to them about the fact that they're being rejected they're being despised. There's, there's disgrace and humiliation because they were supposed to be the people of God. They were supposed to be those who were, in a sense, married to God. And now they've been despised and they've been rejected as though they didn't have a husband, as though they didn't have a protector, as though they didn't have a provider. And God's saying, listen, there's going to come a time where judgment is coming because of your rebellion and your wickedness. But I'm only going to do it for a moment. And he's prophesying a hundred years before it happens. So that when they're in it, they know that they're going to come out of it. Ooh, a moment. He calls a moment here 70 years. But you know when they came out of it? They came with songs of great joy. The redeemed of the Lord. They came with songs of rejoicing because they'd been set free. What was lost was restored. And the Lord restored when they came out of captivity in the most remarkable ways. He raised up pagan kings to pay for the restoration. It's phenomenal. I mean, the echoes of what happened when the people of God came out of Egypt. Do you remember that story? Of course you do. They'd been in a lockdown situation in Egypt under the heavy-handed oppression of the Egyptians. And when they came out, in one night, they were given 400 years' worth of wages in one big check. 
They left with the silver and the gold, the treasures of Egypt, and they carried it off as they went. This is phenomenal. The Lord provided for them to live and to live in a place of worship before the Lord because the tabernacle had been financed out of what they'd been given when they left Egypt. The echo is here as they come out. Now, Isaiah's prophesying a hundred years before they go into this lockdown period. When they come out, Cyrus opens up the treasuries and says, listen guys, I'm going to pay for the restoration of your temple in Jerusalem. This is amazing. What's my prophetic point? As we come out of lockdown, the Lord is going to restore. The Lord is going to provide what you need. And whatever you thought was lost, whatever the locusts have eaten, consumed, stolen, the Lord will restore. Come on now. The biblical definition of restoration is always double what you had before. The shame, the disgrace, the reproach, it'll appear to be just a short moment. The last couple of years, we're going to look back and say, ah, it was a small thing compared to the future that we have. We're not going to be stuck in the past. We're going to move forward. So as we step into 2022, know that the Lord has got good things in store for us. His plans and His purposes still stand. Those prophetic words, they're hanging out there waiting for us to grab a hold of them and to walk into the very things that, that He promised. Mm. Look, I'm excited about that. Okay. Verse 9, to me this is like the days of Noah when I swore that the waters of Noah would never again cover the earth. So now I have sworn not to be angry with you, never to rebuke you again. Verse 10, you're going to remember this verse. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. The rise and fall of nations, the shaking that's going on, everything that can be shaken will be shaken, Hebrews tells us, so that the unshakable kingdom may remain. His love and His compassion, His heart towards you, his care, his forgiveness, his mercy, never be shaken, will always endure. No matter what you've done, 
Because some of us, we look at some of the things of our lives as kind of like, whoa, that's a, too much, too bad. God can't forgive. That's a lie. That's fake news. The truth is, his love for you never be shaken. His love endures forever. Hallelujah. This is good news. Nor my covenant of peace be removed. God has got a covenant of peace with us. So would you turn to Luke chapter 2? As I want to touch on this thing of peace as I do my first of 13 closes this morning. Just a little joke. We had a great time last week with April. And he had about a dozen closes. All right. Luke chapter 2 and verse 8. And there were shepherds living in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared, appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. Jesus came as the Prince of Peace to usher in the covenant of peace. Peace with God and peace with one another. Yay. Previous generations used to have a, a phrase in their language when they wanted to find out if somebody who was nearing the end of days, if they were ready to go to heaven, if they were ready to meet their maker, they would say, have you made your peace with God? In other words, have you restored right relationship with God, who is the, the giver of all peace, the source, the foundation, the fountain of peace. Have you reconciled to God and are you at peace with Him? Jesus came to make it possible that we can have peace with God. Why is this important? Well, if you want to get into heaven, you've got to be in right relationship with God. Now, if someone is a rebel, someone is disobeying God, someone is doing their own thing, rebellion. Hmm? You know that theme song, I did it my way. If you do it your way, as opposed to doing it God's way, 
there's a breakdown. You're not at peace with God. A rebel. And rebels, there's a different place for rebels compared to those who are at peace with God. And Jesus came to deal with all of the, the shame, the guilt, the wickedness, the rebellion of the past that we can have peace with God. And that's why it's good news of great joy because we can have peace with God and we can dwell with Him forever. That is why Jesus came. To bring the covenant of peace to us. It's so good that we take time this season of the year to remember that Jesus came. It's more important for us to recognize that he's no longer in the manger. He came for much more than to be a baby. In fact, he didn't come just to be a baby. Much of the world is okay if Jesus stays a baby. But much of the world is not ready for him to come a second time. And when he comes a second time, oh my goodness, powerful, mighty, Yay. And we can look forward to his second coming. Why? Because we have peace with God. Because that's what he came to bring. For those who will step into it. Those who will receive. Those who will act on it by faith. So, as we go back to Isaiah 54. My next closing. Verse 11, afflicted city, lashed by storms and not comforted, I will rebuild you with stones of turquoise, your foundations with lapis lazuli. I will make your battlements of rubies, your gates of sparkling jewels, and your walls of precious stones. Your, all your children will be taught by the Lord, and great will be their peace. In you... Righteousness, sorry, in righteousness you will be established. Tyranny will be far from you. You will have nothing to fear. Terror will be far removed. It will not come near you. We get a long prophetic view of the new Jerusalem. It's phenomenal. Isaiah is prophesying Revelation chapter 21 and 22. This is amazing. He's seeing the new Jerusalem coming, the new heaven and the new earth. It's just, just like, wow. And he's holding it out, obviously inspired by the Holy Spirit, 
as an inspiration to the people of God, even though they're going to go through the hardship of lockdown, lockdown is not the end. Hardship, difficulty, captivity, that's not the end. You're going to go through that, even if I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, even though I go through. Yeah? That's not our destination. We kind of come through these things. The Lord is bringing us through the hardships, the difficulties, the trials and the challenges that we've been facing. That's not the end point we're coming through. And there's the ultimate coming through, and he prophesies that. He's using the exact language of the new Jerusalem, but he's also, in the near ground, he's also prophesying the restoration of Jerusalem. Now this is ridiculous. Here he is, prophesying a hundred years before the captivity, before the Babylonians would come and would destroy Jerusalem, destroy the temple. And he's prophesying that it will be rebuilt, it will be renewed, and the Lord is going to remove the tyranny and the terror that was associated with that place. He's going to redeem it in such a way that the memories associated with the trauma of the destruction will be overlaid with a heavenly environment. Come on, Joyberg. We want this city to be overlaid with a heavenly environment. Come on, we were singing this morning, heaven on earth. It's the prayer that he asked us to continue praying. That we would see his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're still looking for that to take place in our city. Come on. So we continue to pray for Joyberg. Because we know that things are going to shift and change and that the best is yet to come. Our heydays lie ahead of us. It's not the good old days. Uh uh. It's the good new days that are coming. All right. So, Jerusalem, the direct prophetic word, you will be restored. Things that have been lost and stolen are going to be restored, returned, renewed. And you are going to see a rebuilding project taking place in front of your eyes. Now as we close out the year, this is going to be one more of my closings. Verse 15. Come on, this is, this, is, this is a word to us. If anyone does attack you, it will not be my doing. Whoever attacks you will surrender to you. Now see, it's I who created the blacksmith, who fans the coals into flame and forges a weapon fit for its work. And it is I who have created the destroyer to wreak havoc. 
but no weapon that's forged against you will prevail. And you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and this is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. So the Lord is saying, listen, I've raised up the Babylonians. In a sense, I have forged them in the fire, and I've created them as a sword to do certain things, and it's part of my doing, right? So the nation of Israel, the people of God, the covenant people of God had turned their back on God. They had rejected their husband. God tried to woo them back to himself. He sent the prophets. They rejected the prophets. He tried to cause them to, to turn and to repent. It got to a point where judgment came. They had not honored the Lord in terms of letting the land lie fallow. So there was economic distrust of the Lord. There was a rejection of the ways of the Lord. And God said, I need that land to remain fallow. And so your 490 years of not observing the seventh year sabbatical, the Sabbath year, I'm actually going to claim them and I'm going to do it back to back. It'll be 70 years. Thank you very much. So tell you what, let's all go off to an internment camp. And let's hang around there for 70 years and then we can come back. But the land needs its rest. And in order to do all of this, I'm going to raise up the Babylonians and it's going to accomplish my purposes. And it's going to be terrifying and it's going to be hard and it's going to be difficult. And there's going to be a lot of pain and there's going to be a lot of confusion. But I'm telling you ahead of time so that when you're in it, you still have hope because I'm going to bring you out on the other side. And when I bring you out on the other side, I'm going to bring restoration. In fact, it's going to be far better than it was before. And I will bring vindication and nothing that the enemy wants to bring against you will succeed. Ah. This is good news. We've been through a tremendously difficult time on the planet in the last two years. Some of it, the Lord has very definitely allowed. And some of it was the enemy's doing. But the Lord, he draws a line. And he says, now, I'm going to vindicate you. And what the enemy intends for harm, forget. No ways. He's not going to touch you. I'm going to restore you. You're my beloved. I will care for you. 
seller. Take a moment and let that sink in. Thank you, Lord, that no matter what the enemy has thrown at us, it's not going to succeed. Vindication comes from you. Come, let's stand together. Let's pray. Lord, we present ourselves before you again, afresh and anew. As we look to start a new year, there is a sense in which there's a new dawn, there is a new beginning. Things are shifting, things are changing. We're stepping into new things. We thank you, Lord, for the prophetic promises that you have released to us over years, that they are still there, they're still valid, they're still to be redeemed. We thank you, Lord, that you are imparting fresh hope, faith, courage, boldness inside of our hearts to trust you that the best is yet to come, that those words will still come to fruition. And so we entrust ourselves to you as we step into a new year. That no matter what the enemy may scheme or plan or devise, he will be thwarted and the plans and purposes of God will succeed. And so we run to you, our Prince of Peace, in the middle of the storms of life, we thank you that you are still the one who says, peace, be still. That you are the one who restores. And you are the one who gives to us purpose, destiny, a good inheritance, and a glorious future. So may your hand rest upon each one of us in this building and those watching online, that we might encounter you, our Prince of Peace. May you fill our hearts with an expectation of joy. May your provision and your protection be our portion today and in the year that lies ahead. To you be all honor, praise, and glory. And all God's people said, Amen, amen, and amen. Hallelujah. God is so good. Can we just give him a praise offering? Yay. Thank you, Jesus.